On this episode of Star Wars Time Show, the dudes will be talking Mandalorian. That's right, they know some episode premiere dates, as well as who's directing each episode. After that, though, you better strap in, because they're going full bore into the Rise of Skywalker. Why, you may ask? Well, the final trailer dropped, so they got all sorts of things to speculate on, including a look at some new posters. And don't forget, it's the primetime show, so they're going to be doing the top five Star Wars artist features of the week. Cue the mother effing music. Welcome back to a brand new primetime style episode of the Star Wars Time Show, and we are shot out of a cannon. Why? Well, you heard the guy, right? We've got a new trailer to talk about, not just a trailer, the final trailer for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, and boy was it a doozy. But before we get there, we've got to discuss some other stuff. This is definitely going to be a Tross-heavy episode, but before we get to all the newness, we got to discuss some Mandalorian stuff. So, Nick... You know, I mean, Tross still a ways away. I mean, two months, less than two months, technically. It's October 22 as we're recording here. But before that, we are going to get something else special in the land of Star Wars, and that is the debut of The Mandalorian. So last time we talked, I mean, yeah, we know it was coming out November 12th. We we're going to get the first episode, but we really, really did not know the cadence of the show in terms of what was the episode release schedule going to be? Well, yeah. we have that now. We have it now, and it's a little bit odd. I know that when you I first, don't like it, man. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I do not like this. I, I really wish what they would have done. So, so basically what we see here for The Mandalorian is a November 12th initial drop, which if you guys are following at home, that is a Tuesday. And that, well, that's they, when Plus goes live, so I, yeah. I get what they're doing. But then what do they do, do? They shift it over to a Friday schedule. So you have the first episode on the 12th and then the second episode on the 15th, which throws off your entire episodic release schedule. So starting on a Tuesday, shifting to a Friday, and now you're having your season finale on December 27th instead of wrapping around until the first of the year. So instead of having you know, Mandalorian from November 12th until what would have been January 3rd, you have Mandalorian from November 12th to December 27th because they drop episode two, three days after episode one. It's very yeah, weird I, I was, how they did it. I mean, when I saw this dude, the, the, the first thing that obviously shocked me was the double episode drop week one. I mean, I, I get that they they want to blow their load and be like, hey, Disney Plus is here, Mandalorian. Yeah, this is why you want to buy it. But then they just be like, oh, yeah, well, let's get it right back on a Friday release schedule, which first and foremost, a Friday release schedule. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I, I guess that's kind of how Netflix does it, right, with their major streaming shows. But you know them, they they binge the shit. So yeah. it's it just like, you, in terms of a network or even a cable program, you typically put your shittiest shows on a Friday. Yeah, they do, and I mean, I guess it's very convenient for people who are coming home and they're you know they have day jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. So. You losers at work. <laughs> yeah. Let us slackers watch this when we want to. I mean, I was hoping for kind of like a Game of Thrones, a, a, a Sunday type of rollout. Uh, but, but honestly, the biggest reason I'm bitching about this, people, you're probably sitting there like, man, these guys are fucking assholes. They're upset that we're getting a ton of Star Wars content in a condensed period of time. That's the problem. 
not only do we love Star Wars, but we tend to like to create content for it, especially me. Uh, So I'm looking at this going, okay, basically the week of November 12th, I'm going to watch the show Tuesday. Then I'm going to have to do the Easter egg recap and the video recap, then the podcast recap. Oh, and then the other one comes out Friday. Well, it looks like Saturday morning I'll be doing an Easter egg video, a recap video. And then Nick and I will be talking about the following week. So it's just like, fuck, man, spare me. It really fucks up our content release schedule considering we're we're almost we're basically in a cadence now to where our Wednesday shows that we record and release on Thursdays are our, you know, either special edition or television series breakdown episodes. So now with the, the shows coming out on Friday, we, we essentially have to either decide, okay, do we wanna do a Monday recording for the episode recaps and then go back and do a Tuesday for the standard show, or do we do Monday yeah. for the standard show and then Tuesday for the? It it really throws off. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's full on first world problems. Yeah, here. it There's is. There's no doubt about it. It's just I'm sitting here going, man, I want to do the videos because honestly, the, the videos we 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 restart the videos for Star Wars Resistance and they're already taking off again like they were. I mean. I'm still embarrassed to admit, but by taking off, I mean, you know, they're getting 100, 200 views versus the the paltry shit that we get on the podcast videos. So I have a feeling if we do some Mandalorian stuff, we could also capture some of that YouTube audience. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of a pull from the YouTube side of Star Wars time and the podcast. But Nick's right. I mean, these are things that stress us out at night (laughs) and make us lose sleep. But don't worry. The SWT bros will definitely have you covered on The Mandalorian. I just don't know when we're going to be doing it. More than likely, we're going to stick to our our typical cadence, and you're just going to have to deal with it. And be like, hey, assholes, this episode literally came out a week ago, and you're recapping it right before the next one comes out. Tough shit. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) I don't really know. I can almost guarantee you, though, in terms of content for new episodes, you'll probably be getting those a day after they air, because I am a psychotic. And I feel like I have to get stuff out there early, even though no one watches it anyways. It's a problem I have to deal with. Don't worry about me. I'm okay most of the time. Oh, man. It's going to be All a right, fun so, day. It's going to be a fun Yeah, day. it's – dude, I mean, you're excited. I'm excited. But there is that weird content creator Star Wars fan in me that, that's a little stressed out about it. Oh, yeah. So next but. up, we got more Mando news specifically around the directors, right? This is one thing that we kind of knew about. But we didn't know exactly where they were going to fall. Exactly. We knew-, we knew who was involved. We didn't know who was doing which episode. And uh, it's kind of eye opening who gets what here in terms of the episode. Oh, the other thing, dude. Eight episodes? Yeah. Did, did we know that at some point in time? Because I always thought it was 10. Me too. I was under the impression that there were 10, but that could have just been us being stupid and not actually right. looking into something as far as we needed to. Well, it makes but sense because. Can- didn't they reveal with the Kenobi announced that it would only be eight episodes too? So that, yeah. that seems to be how they're going to roll here with these. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping since there is only eight episodes that we're going to get full one hour long episodes, not like 50 minutes or 45 minutes, which you typically see out of a cable television right. show to account right. for commercial breaks. So if we're going to have eight, give me a full hour or over, go hour and 15. Hell. I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. So we, we got eight episodes, and, and here are your directors. So I, I love this first one, and it makes sense. I mean, the premiere episode they gave to Filoni, which it's like, yeah, no shit Sherlock, right? I yeah. Mean, 
Dave Filoni has earned his right to not only direct the first episode of a of the first ever Star Wars live action television series. He's owned. I mean, he's earned the right to direct his own Star Wars live action movie, like on the right. big screen. So I don't know if if you know this is something that Dave's doing in the interim, and then they have plans for him to direct a movie later in his career. I really hope so. But it's a really good start to to launch him into the live action star wars television. oh yeah i mean this is his first experience doing live action clearly him and john are the top dogs on mando they're moving into the second season where i think john's going to direct now instead of just being pure show run but yeah i mean filoni for all intents and purposes he is george lucas's successor we've talked about that on this show uh, I, I don't think he wants to be a kathleen kennedy type like a producer where they just kind of make decisions and move money around I, I think first and foremost he is an artist and a creator yeah but I, I do think this guy should be involved at, at high level Star Wars lore conversations oh yeah I mean, I mean make him the, if the wanna, sole story group person I, I know I mean <laughs> there's rumors that Feige essentially his coming over here is eventually going to lead to him taking over for Kathleen and he's going to run Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm, that's fine. I mean, Dave Filoni should be running the fucking story group or something then. The dude should be involved at a high-level decision-making processes in terms of narratives for the films, the cartoons, so on and so forth. So, Filoni opens up. Then we got Rick Famuyiwa. I have no Famuyiwa, yeah. I mean, he's, he hasn't really done a ton of stuff. He's been in the industry for a long time, and if you look at his directing credits, they loop back around till 19 really his first movie is 1996 but a lot of it's not really popular stuff so 1999 he directed um a movie called the wood and that was with uh, uh who was it so it was with omar epps if you've seen major league two you know who omar epps is the guy who plays willie mays hayes um richard t jones richard t jones has actually been in a lot of stuff and then with Tay Diggs, and then everybody knows who Tay Diggs is. So he that's kind of like, when I look at his resume, that's the most recognizable movie to me. He also directed Dope, um, which came out in 2015 um, and was a, a well-received movie as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what his take on, well, you know, what his take on Star Wars is, how he approaches The Mandalorian, um, and what he brings to episode two, because episode two is usually the episode where shit really gets moving. Like you have episode one sets up and really oh, yeah. kind of leads you into the entire story for the show. And then episode two, boom, you get into right. it. So he, he's got a pretty big one. And then he's also doing episode six. And yes. then uh, Deborah Chow is doing or Cho is doing episode three. And if you remember from the Kenobi reveal or announce, she is the essentially the. I don't know if she's a showrunner or if she's directing all episodes of Kenobi, but she's kind of the main deal with that. Yeah. Um, four, you have Bryce Dallas Howard, daughter of Ron, Ron Howard, Howard, Star yeah. Wars royalty, Hollywood royalty, really. I mean, she's directed, she's acted, you know, uh, come on, everyone knows who Bryce is. Uh, Dave gets number five, so that's probably another key episode. Rick, as we said, comes back for six. Deborah gets seven, and then my man Taika closes out with eight. So, you know, the guy playing IG-11, Thor Ragnarok, uh, Jojo Rabbit. I mean, I, yeah. I love Taika Waititi. Yeah, the dude is a fantastic filmmaker, and he's shown that. And look, I know that Taika's, you know, 
done things for a while now, but he really rose to prominence over the last few years. Oh, I mean, dude, Thor Ragnarok <laughs> like, put him on the map. I, I never knew who the fuck he was. Yeah, until I mean, if, that. You, if you look at his, if you look at his his resume on IMDb before that, there are a few things. Flight of the Concords, obviously, people have seen that show. People enjoyed. He, he did a few episodes of that. He did a few episodes of the In Betweeners television series. I believe this is the UK one, not the US one. Other than that, like you look at his stuff and not too much until Thor Ragnarok comes around and then he becomes one of the most loved directors in in the entirety of filmmaking. And, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, Matt Jojo Rabbit coming out, Mandalorian, Thor Love and Thunder coming soon. Um, yeah, the guy's a killer, and I'm glad that he's closing it out. If I had to choose somebody else, though, I would. If, if it was me, I would have bookended it with Filoni. I would have did Filoni one and Filoni eight. Uh, yeah, or or John himself to yeah. close it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but I mean, we already knew who these directors were gonna were gonna be anyway. It's just seeing them associated with their individual episodes now. I right. think it's really cool that they're, you know, kind of giving people the opportunity to jump between episodes, not really, you know, direct back to back. And um, I mean, it's, it's the Game of Thrones model. Yeah. So I don't think as viewers, we're going to watch the eight episodes and be like, holy shit, it looks so much different in episode three and four. That's because of Cho and Floney. It should still feel like a cohesive show oh yeah series right absolutely i have no doubt that that these will all feel cohesive and like they all fit together really well because i don't think that they're going for you know individualized styles for these shows right. no not like at all. they're they're not trying to give people too much creative license to be like okay episode one super gritty Super yeah. bloody, and then episode two, it's like a fun, fantastic fair. Yeah, Taika, Taika comes in, and it's all like '80s retro cyberpunk shit. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like the fucking music and stuff, like da la 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 la, like Blade Runner. Yeah, like, yeah. All right, well, I mean, that kind of wraps up all things not the rise of Skywalker for this primetime show, people. Because as as I kind of hinted when I was doing my announcing gig. We got a bomb dropped on us yesterday in the form of the final trailer. But before we get to that, we, we've got some other things to talk about. In particular, uh, first thing here, Entertainment Weekly has been making us round with the cast, in particular Daisy and JJ. Uh, so in the first article they did with uh, Daisy, she mentions that the whole Raylo thing, as she refers to, and if you're not familiar with Raylo, is that there's a certain fan group out there star wars fans that are shipping kylo and ray you know shipping for you old people mm -hmm. means they want them to be in a relationship hence the term raylo you know you always get two people get together you got to mash your names together you know uh, j-lo ben lo whatever the fuck they were <laughs> started back in the day that type of shit so anyways nick she, she's talking about Kylo and Ray's odd bond and how it's definitely addressed in the film and clearly we saw hints of that in both of the trailers so far but what she said to EW she said it does not bother me people writing theories it's really fun hearing them again referring to the Raylo stuff plus because I know what's sort of going to happen I think it'll be really interesting to see people's reaction to the final film obviously there's this whole Raylo thing and some people are very passionate about it some aren't so Again, she's implying there's going to be some sort of resolution, at least more clarity provided between the bond between Ray and Kylo. Uh, and then she expands upon it, Nick. She says, J.J. does 
deal it. I'm guessing deal with it. Deal with it, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a very complex issue. People talk about toxic relationships and whatever it is. It's no joke, and I think it's dealt with really well because it's not skimmed over. So Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that because it is something that could have been, you know, lightly touched on and then moved away from. But, you know, this this bond between these two characters has seen it has seen itself evolve through both of the films so far. So I think it would have been remiss of J.J. to just not discuss it or not really explore. You you couldn't do it. I mean, it's a core narrative theme. I mean, it's been that way since TFA was built on by Ryan and TLJ. And now it looks like it's going to kind of play itself out one way or the other in, in Tross. Yeah. And I mean, if, you know, we have the trailer coming up in our, you know, discussion and kind of breakdown of that. And the trailer does show a lot of scenes that show Kylo and Ray together, whether it be in an adversarial standpoint or who knows, it could even be, in a friendly kind of meeting at some point in the trailer, but right. um, so how does how does Nick feel about Raylo? Is this something you've ever wanted, ever felt from the movies? I mean, are you a Raylo guy or not? I mean, I was never attached to the idea that they had to be in a romantic relationship, but I knew that there was some sort of well, new quote unquote. I I felt like that there was some sort of deeper bond between these two characters that needed to be discussed. I mean. If you just look at any of the old Star Wars movies, whether it be the, you know, the the Age of Rebellion or the Age of Republic, you always have a deep bond between your dark side, like your opposing forces, your dark side force and your light side force, Anakin and Palpatine and and Age of the Republic, Luke and Vader and Age of the... Age of the, it's not Age of the Empire, rebellion. it's Age of the Rebellion. Yeah, I'm just like, Remember, it's, it's three R's, It's buddy. the three, three R's, R's. Yeah. I wanted to say Age of Empire because I was thinking of the video <laughs> game, but <laughs> but Age of the Republic. They and did, then, they fucked us all up with that shit, and it was funny when, when Sir Dork was co-host, and he was correcting himself too, and I don't know if that's because we're, we're forcing people to use the right terms now or what, but. Yeah, I heard. It I does, it does we, we, we do bumblefuck our way through naming the trilogies now. Yeah, no, we, I'm trying not to say OT prequels and then sequels. I'm, I'm sticking it's the to age the age of motherfucking something, essentially. Yeah. So, and now with the age of the resistance, you have that same thing, a deep bond between the two people who are on opposing sides. I mean, the deep bond extended so far in the age of the Republic that you find out that Palpatine is Anakin's father. I mean, this is something that we discussed long ago that was real, the comics, but like that is how deep that bond was. Luke and Vader, obviously father and son. And now these two, in my mind, it was always that they were related, whether it be they were cousins, whether it be that they're brother and sister or something like that. I don't know if we're going to get that. We may get the Raylo ship, so we may get them actually, you know, becoming romantically entangled, for lack of a better term. But I do like it. I do like that these two characters are inexorably linked to each other, whether it be through the Force or through some other means. Yeah, I'm, I never looked at them as potential lovers. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking your route. Maybe the, the brother-sister or equal or some, you know, just equal in the arts of the force, meaning that's where their connection comes from. Uh, I don't think they'll be lovers. I think by the end they may have a deep respect for each other. 
there may be a love for one another, but not a a love like a passionate love, kind of like a brother loves a sister love type of deal. Yeah. Although you know, in certain parts of the country, that love can get a little weird. You know, <laughs> yeah, talking about West Virginia, but you know what I mean. Um, but no, I, I don't see them. I, I've never been a Raylo guy. Yeah. You know me. I, I've been pushing Ray Poe. Yeah, you have been. That that's been your yeah. big sell the whole time. Or Poe Ray or damn I mean, damn damn Ray. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. But if I had to choose a way for them to be linked, I mean. We, we're also kind of... I'm working under the assumption that one of these characters is going to be dead by the end of the movie. Um, but in my mind, the, what would be fantastic if one, if they both lived is for them to essentially become the two, you know, Jedi masters of the future. You know, these are the people... Instead right. of, you know, like Luke being the only Jedi master leading to his eventual failure because he had nobody else to lean on, these two coming from different backgrounds, coming from different sides of the force now coming together to lead the new force users of the galaxy into the future. Like, I think that that would be a the cool dyad. Way. Yes. The dyad, the force dyad. I wonder where that came from. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I mean, sort of from the clone wars, if you really want to get into it, not that we're going to go down that route. But yeah. I, I do think a lot of the stuff in those leaks as we now know, watching the trailer, probably true. Seems like a lot of it is, yeah. But I, I also think they're pulling from existing canon materials. Which so. is, you know, which is what J.J. has been saying this whole time. He's like, yeah. you know, we're wrapping up 40 years of storytelling here. We're wrapping up. I mean, hell, my friends, in, in the final trailer, we get a B1 battle droid Easter egg and the ghost. So yeah. he's, he's already has the, the age of rebellion and the age of republic in there. And then we're living in the age of resistance, so I think he's doing all right. But yeah, I don't. I really want the two to become lovers, maybe equals, or if one or the other dies, obviously the paying the respect and the love of like a family member being lost. So agreed. That's where I'm at on that. So we also heard from JJ Nick. You kind of covered this one, but he was talking about. The Rise of Skywalker and how important it is now to the Skywalker saga because, as George has always said, he envisioned Star Wars as three three-act plays. Essentially, each three-arc play could live on its own, but they all also tie into each other and influence each other. And that was kind of J.J.'s challenge, so I'll let you kind of run with his quotes. Yeah, so basically, you know, J.J. kind of has the task that I mentioned five minutes ago, wrapping up 40 years of storytelling. So this was his initial quote, again, to EW. EW gets all the juicy Star Wars stuff. He says, this is about bringing this thing to a close in a way that is emotional and meaningful and also satisfying in terms of actually answering as many questions as possible. So if years from now someone's watching these movies, all nine of them, they're watching a story that is as cohesive as possible. Now, for that one quote alone, he has a a mountain of work to do. I mean, we've been talking about it since Tross was announced. I mean, since really TLJ ended. Like, this last movie has so many different loose ends to tie up, not only within just the age of the resistance, but also reaching all the way back to the age of the Republic. You know, we still have our primary antagonist who was around in the age of the Republic 
yeah. still alive and back. I mean, that's why you, you have to bring Palpatine back at this rate, right? I mean, if JJ's trying to do what seems like the impossible, you have to bring back the bad guy that's literally been there from episode one. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think if there was ever any doubt in his mind and he was leaning on George, like, okay, George, here we are. We're, we're at the final stage. Like, you've seen TLJ, you've seen TFA. Like, you know, what... What's my guy? Like, who's my guy? Who's my bad guy now? Because Snoke's dead. Kylo's, you know, supposedly the big bad now. Like, but everybody knows that Kylo right. can't be the big bad. George and, was and like, I, st- I still contend this might have been planned from day one, especially with they allowed Ryan to just wax the supposed big bad for this trilogy. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they would have let that happen if there was not a plan to bring in an even more imposing big bad like Palp. Exactly. And that's probably George's, like you said, his mindset all along. Like, look, if you if you look at, you know, from the beginning of time in Star Wars that we've seen, I mean, from episode one on, like you mentioned, this guy has always been there as the as the driving force of evil in the galaxy. And now we're finally gonna get could could be his true end. So um, that has to be wrapped up in, a, in addition to all of the current storylines that are happening here, you know, the, the resistance versus the first order, is that still going to be a thing now? Well, that dude, how about this one? I mean, the, the reason that we have nine star Wars movies, the, the fact that the force keeps reinventing either a super bad or a super good to keep itself in balance. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that is the ultimate end game, is it not? With this one, the balance I mean, I, of the I, force. Yeah. I've been led to believe that by the end of this movie, we should have the balance that we've heard about since Episode Ass One. Yeah, I mean that is to me. I don't. It's very interesting because I never thought of the force as something that could be truly balanced. That could be, you know, forever in balance. There's always going to be fluctuations, but it is going to be very interesting to see how they handle that because it's been explored in so many different ways. I mean, if we look at the age of the Republic, the balance of the force was thought to be brought by the chosen one through the eradication of the Sith as, as you know, Yoda put it like the chosen one comes, he wipes out the Sith, the, the forces in balance somehow that is balance in Yoda's well, mind. Well, if you think about it, I mean, especially with the fact that we know Palpatine might have created him now. Yeah, exactly. Palpatine, he knows too. He knows how the force works. He's like, I'm the super bad guy, so the force is always going to keep making a super good guy to combat me. So he's like, fuck it. I'll just co-opt the super good guy and bring him to my side, which that's what he did with Anakin. Yeah, and then unknowingly so the force kept going like yeah. okay well then we'll give you two more to balance you two in the twins yeah hey look at that the force balance it with the two light guys yeah and we then, lose well we think we lose one we know we lose vader but palpatine stays around so the light side luke is still around so the light side is and the dark side they're cooking up their figures again yeah i mean there's got there's got to be a resolution to this balancing act that's been going on since day one and if you really look at it, the Force has equalized itself in every trilogy because you can't be too heavy on one side or the other. Yeah. So how do we get there? Does Kylo stay alive and maintain some of his darkness? Does Rey tap into some darkness too? And they're kind of in the middle? I, I don't know. But I'm I'm anticipating some sort of answer to this Force balancing thing that's really been plaguing both the good guys and the bad guys since The Phantom Menace. Yeah, and I mean, that is something that that J.J. also mentioned is the, you know, 
taking the opportunities that are presented to themselves. So even though he probably had a, like a pretty straight line path to his ending for this movie, he, he made sure that he didn't, you know, skip out on any new opportunities that could pop up. So this was the, the rest of his quote to EW. He said, excuse me, while there are many things that were planned for and discussed, George Lucas himself said when he created this, he saw it as, a, as three three-act plays. That doesn't mean there isn't discovery. That doesn't mean that there aren't things that come up and make you realize, oh, here's an opportunity. It also doesn't mean that there's a list of payoffs that we have to do because of setups. But we also were very much aware this is the end of the trilogy and it needs to satisfy. We went into this thing knowing that it has to be an ending we were not screwing around. So basically he says there to me, like, yeah, there's setups that we may not pay off on, but that doesn't mean that, that it's coming later. Like this is the end. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, get get ready for people. And who knows when Bob Iger Jr. takes over in 50 years, maybe he's like, hey, fuck it, let's dust off the Skywalker saga. But they have brazenly come out and said, the Skywalkers are going to fucking bed after episode nine. Anything involved with it is done. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you can imagine the quote unquote list of payoffs that the fan base probably has for waiting in this movie. Like JJ's probably seen oh, yeah. them they, all. They want, they want Anakin to come back. Darth oh yeah. Maul to come back. Is Sidious's mom to come back. Plagueis to come back. I mean, come on, let's do it. Yeah. Get I them mean, all. Check all the boxes. I mean, one notable one that I think could just completely be looked over is is Snoke as a whole. Like, Snoke is a character that was used as a means to an end for this trilogy. Yeah, I'm here's here's how I'm anticipating Snoke gets explained away. If not just glossed over completely, like Nick's saying. I'm assuming early on Kylo may have a conversation with either the Knights or Hux or Legion General Pride, essentially saying, that dumb asshole Snoke, I knew he was a fake. He's getting his power from somewhere. We need to find devices to find this unknown region's place. Yeah. That, that may be the only other mention. The other potential spot would be if, let's say, Kylo does come across Palpatine. I could see either Kylo asking about Snoke or Palpatine saying, hey, dude, that Snoke guy was just another fucking puppet in my 100-plus-year-old plan. Eat a dick. Yeah, I mean, the only other way that I could see it happening is Kylo's got to follow a trail somewhere. Okay, yeah, that's another. So, like, he's following based off of the most powerful Sith that he's ever known to be alive at the same time as him, which is Snoke. So he picks up his learnings, and then maybe that leads him to find out that, holy shit, Palpatine's alive and he was Snoke's master or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, and that, that's why Snoke was as powerful as he was. Because I, I think Kylo's impetus for searching down possibly where Snoke came from or where he thinks he got his power is that he wants to know why this decrepit piece of shit was so powerful. Yeah, exactly. Like somebody that basically nobody had known about. Like, like you mentioned, Snoke was a pretty old motherfucker and he was beat up. But you don't hear, like, Snoke was old enough to be alive well into the age of the Republic, like, back in episode one, but you've never heard about him. So the fact that this guy basically comes out of nowhere, fresh off the death of the most powerful and successful Sith in history, basically, 
like he's probably wondering, like you said, what is this motherfucker's deal? So um, that that one in particular is going to be very interesting to see how they deal with it. We've already talked about the whole Raylo thing. I mean, we have a lot of other ones as well. I mean, like we have to wrap up Leia. Like, how is that going to happen? We haven't seen any hints about that in trailers so right. far. So there's a lot of things out there. I mean, Finn and Rose, Rose. Finn and Poe. You never know. Yeah, Do or pack shit. Does their shit smell? Lots of lots of yeah, lot, lots of good stuff. So, and I I have full confidence in JJ and company that that they're going to pull it off. I mean, I'm not a Disney Star Wars hater. I, I still, my buddy the stunt man last night is like, oh, let me know after you see the trailer if it's any good. I, I reply, I'm like, you really think I'm not going to think the trailer's good? I mean. I'm not in your camp. I don't live in this self-hating Star Wars fan death spiral that a lot of people have gotten themselves in. I was there at the prequels. I'm trying to dig myself out because it's, it's not a fun place to be. I love Star Wars. I want to cry when I watch Star Wars trailers. I don't want to be angry about it because I think it's going to suck. I don't, I don't get that. I, I lived through that with the prequels. I, I, I'm distancing myself from that. And I'm trying not even to hate those as much as I used to. I just, they're, they're not good. That's fine. But I'm not going to sit here and get on a soapbox and tell everyone they're fucking stupid for liking them anymore. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's useless. Yeah. It really, it's, it's useless and it just causes it this death spin yeah. of Star Wars fan venom that makes no sense. It's a goddamn science fiction, fiction property with a bunch of fake shit in space with laser swords and ships that shoot beams and stuff. Yeah, so I'm definitely not in in that camp as well, and yeah. I don't think anybody. I, I should just want to be. be excited about this stuff. It's fun. New trailers are fun. I got excited. I was shaking. I might have sweat, and yes, I definitely cried. That's what I want to do as a Star Wars fan. All right. So speaking of that trailer, we're not quite there yet, but we have a couple PSAs revolving around the trailer. First being. We got our looks at some new posters, official posters for Rise of Skywalker. The first one here is from Dan Mumford, a great artist. It looks like he hand draws. I'm pretty sure he's done similar programs for other Star Wars movies in the past. But basically, he teased the first of four exclusive AMC IMAX posters for Rise of Skywalker. So if you go to AMC and see the film on IMAX between 1222 and 20, that is, so... December 22nd through January 12th, you will, can pick up one of these posters. And it's just, it's fantastic art. It's a shot of Kylo and Rey on the Death Star wreckage getting ready for their duel. Yep. Uh, you can check it out on the site. I'm, I'm definitely going to try to snag one of these because I will be checking it out in IMAX. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful poster. And if I had an AMC anywhere around me, I'd probably go pick it up. But Unfortunately, I'm surrounded by Regal Theaters, and yeah. you know that's just how it is over here in Tough Texas. titties. At least they got some sort of subscription plan in place, though, for you, because yeah. it really is the greatest thing ever if you are a film buff. Oh, yeah. I it's cannot fantastic. express how awesome it is to spend 20 bucks a month and have the freedom to go see three movies a week. Oh, yeah, And dude. I don't care if you got kids, whatever. You can, you can make time. I mean, I might not get home until 12, 1230 or 1 some nights, but... I'm watching movies. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this week already we've went and we went and saw Zombieland two. We're probably gonna go see um, the new, maybe the new Adams Family movie on Thursday because that looks. I love the old Adams Family movie. Oh, so. me too. But so. we're. Um, I think I'm gonna take the little one to Maleficent two. I want to see that too. Maleficent two is on my fucking list. Like that because we just we decent. just watched the first one this past weekend. 
Uh, we, we, we've been doing movie nights with a fire outside because up here in the north it's getting a little chilly. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's not a bad movie. I, I kind of dig it. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting take on Sleeping Beauty, but hey, whatever. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. So See what happens, people, when you have a little daughter. You, even trolls like me can grow and expand their horizons. Uh, speaking of horizons, we got some horizons featured on the next new poster, Nick. And it is what I'm, I, I'm, I think this is the theatrical poster. This is going to be the one that I'm going to hang in the last spot I have in SWTHQ for a Skywalker Saga movie poster. And uh, it's, I like it. Think? I do too. It's, I feel like it's a little less noisy yeah. than the previous film's posters. But as I look at them now, it, it's really not. It, it's pretty much the same style as TFA and TLJ. Maybe... Leaning. Not as colorful as TLJ because TLJ kind of broke script and, and went hardcore oh, on the red. red and white aesthetic. Yeah, uh, this where one Force Awakens was more black. muted, and yeah. this one is I don't know. It's kind of like a hybrid of the two. It, it's very colorful, but also uses a lot of dark tones. Exactly. Yeah. And look, I I saw this poster and I love it. I mean, it has the hallmark of all Star Wars posters, even going back to. The Age of the Rebellion, we have your primary dark figure up front and center, kind of like your big bad and Kylo's mask in the in the top right. Then you have your primary good figure up front and Rey. You have both lightsabers ignited. Kylo's kind of dividing the, the poster in half. And then under that, you have all of your secondary characters. So you have Poe, you have Finn, you have Zori Bliss, you have Chewbacca. I love that they put Billy D on there. Lando is on the poster. What do you think about leaving Leia off it completely? I know. That was an interesting move. And I don't know if it's because, you know, she was featured prominently within the TLJ one. And she's probably not going to have a lot of screen time here. Like, I don't know what the justification for that was. But I really would have liked to see her, you know, Yeah, even even like somewhere. in a little bunch down at the, the bottom left there. Like, you thought she would at least got, a, you know, like a headshot. I wish that she would have been like right. Like they would have put her in like a prominent spot, like right next to Poe on the left, like you mentioned. Like that would have yeah. been a good I mean, spot. she does, Carrie does get top billing, meaning she is the first actor named down at the bottom. Yeah. Which is nice. But again, if you're, if you're going to do that, why is she not even on the posters? It's so. very, very weird. I mean, Carrie, Mark, and then you have Adam, Daisy. But, I mean, it's still a fantastic poster. I mean, you get, like we said, you get, you know, you get uh, Lando, you get C-3PO, you get Janna, you get uh, all the droids, including or pack. I mean, a fucking Orpac pack poster <laughs> and Leia's not. I and mean, then what the fuck? Get- and then you get Rose at the very bottom. How there, about right Zori the with the with the dueling pistols? That looks cool. I really I like, like Zori. And a lot of people make fun of her. They don't like her helmet, but it I'm does sure look a little. It looks like a you know what it looks like. It looks like a fucking helmet for a tour it's de the France. Rocketeer. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. the Rocketeer. True. <laughs> I always looked at it. and I was like, oh, it's a tour de France helmet. No, this yeah, definitely. Like Lance Armstrong's under there, fucking cheating. <laughs> Yeah. Doping his blood or doing something shady. Exactly. And then, yeah, it's a good looking poster. I just need to order my big one and, and get this uh, bare spot filled up, and then I'll be rocking and rolling with yeah. all these Skywalkers. Exactly. And and like Matt mentioned, you know, this is this is likely going to be the theatrical one. They didn't release it 
as the theatrical poster. This was dropped on Twitter probably 30 it, minutes after it, but this has all the hallmarks of a theatrical Yeah, anytime poster. they throw the, the credits on there, it's it's the deal. Yeah, so. That's it. That's it, 100%. Plus, I mean, fuck, we're, we're less than two months out. You, you better figure out your theatrical poster at this point. Yeah, so. Good all right, stuff. so one more deal before we get into our uh, trailer breakdown analysis, whatever the fuck you want to call it, of the final Trust trailer, but uh, some interesting news today. So the, the trailer dropped last night, or, yeah, well, when you guys are listening to this, probably two nights ago, on the 21st. And uh, before that, the fucking pre-sales went live like two hours beforehand. So I didn't know that was going to happen. I, I guess I heard they may go live at 8. I really wasn't paying attention. I was expecting the pre-sale tickets to go live with the trailer. Trust me, my butthole was clenched yesterday. I was super nervous based on my endgame pre-ordering experience. Uh, but sure enough, dude, it was a, a rather stress-free experience. I'd say within 10 minutes of signing into my AMC app, I booked my Thursday night screening on a Dolby Cinema screen, which in my opinion is the best screen you could get right now. And then I got a Friday afternoon screening on Prime 3D, which is essentially the cinema setup with 3D. Uh, but what is surprising, Nick, and this surprised me just because how quickly I got in and didn't have to wait hours and hours, is that Adam, which is a theater change, as in A-T-O-M, Adam, like the yes. Adam, they're reporting that within the, the first hour of uh, trust tickets going live, they sold 45% more tickets than what Endgame did in the same time period. Yeah, that is super impressive. One, because like you mentioned, we didn't even fucking know it was dropping. Like, they no, didn't it just, come out. They're just kind of like, surprise. I mean, I, I had to hit Nick up on our Slack and be like, dude, I just got tickets. Yeah, you were like, hey. like, I didn't even fucking know they're here yet. I said, I didn't either, but I got in, waited in the little queue that they do, and here we go. Yeah, and I mean, I was able to jump onto my, my Regal one, and I got my Thursday ticket already. I'm waiting to get my Friday ticket to see if my girlfriend's going to be in town because we're – kind of planning our vacations back well vacations our trips home for the holiday around then so i'm not sure when she's leaving but yeah i got on i got in i was like oh, okay i'm done i got my ticket fucking great. Oh, it, was, it was the best i mean <laughs> i i definitely shaved some years off my life monday throughout the day just waiting and thinking about it so when i got there and learned that amc they're like oh hey after our site was shut down for almost 24 hours with Endgame, we, we went ahead and implemented that, that gate system where you say, yes, I want to buy tickets, and then it makes you wait for a little bit so the servers don't fucking catch on fire. Yeah. So good move here, but here's what I want to caution people on, both, both Marvel fans, Disney haters, and Star Wars fans. D don't think this justifies anything yet. Uh, th this really means nothing. Th this, this is no indication that Tross is going to unseed endgame already from the you know highest grossing box office film of all time it doesn't even mean the movie could make two billion dollars what it means is that star wars fans love themselves some new fucking star wars movies and when they get a chance to buy tickets they don't fart around yeah i mean here's what i'll say and i don't even think it's an argument the ravenous star wars fans people like me and matt are far more eager and far more nuts than the most hardcore marvel fans like it's not even i don't even think it's close 
Just because, right, well, well, for the movies, for the especially. Movies, yeah. I mean, I bet there's some comic book people that are that are nuts, but the movies, it's like the movies are the movies. They don't quite have the history that the comic books do. Exactly. And I love Marvel, but I'm not sitting here shitting on Marvel movies. I fucking love them, and and I contributed to Endgame making three billion dollars. I just, I highly doubt. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, will even get close to that. It's not going to get the overseas market that Endgame yeah. did. Um, I, it's not going to get a, re, a special edition re-release, all that happy horse shit. Uh, you know, there. it's still... It's really going to depend on the word-of-mouth stuff and, and the re, the repeats. Yeah. You know, how many people are going to be willing to go see this four or five times like Nick and I? Yeah. Because... Uh, Endgame making that money made sense to me because never ever before have I seen a Marvel movie more than twice until Endgame. Uh, that's when I knew, like, okay, this one's different. This yeah. one is going to make some fucking cash. And, and the big one really is the overseas market. Look, people in China love Marvel. They fucking love it. People in China don't like Star Wars. Yeah, they and don't even really know it exists. Yeah, it's because, like you said just now, like, they didn't know Star Wars. I mean, they knew probably Star Wars existed as a franchise, but they didn't have access to watch Star Wars openly until these new trilogy, like the the new Age of Resistance movies came out. So, like, you can't you expect an entire country to attach itself to a property that quickly. Um, and then also, well, and it's a communist country that can literally control the information that its citizens see or can look up on the internet. So yeah, and I mean, uh, look, let's be real. I mean, like, like Marvel has been very friend. I don't want to say friendly, but Marvel has been very non-threatening to China. In, in its well, they cater content. to it. I mean, what yeah. was it? Age of Ultron, they bring in that Chinese scientist. I think they even have to go to China. I mean, a lot of movies, yeah. when they're going to China, if they have an Asian actor in it, it's typically a, hey, we're going to play to this market that has 1.4 billion people in it. Exactly. And the Chinese audience just doesn't have that type of connection to Star Wars like they do Marvel. So I'm, yeah, I I'm, get it. They're, they're all idiots. Fuck yeah. them. I mean, I'm on, the, I'm on the same train as Matt here. Look. TFA broke two billion worldwide, which was it, it was an unbelievable feat considering, right. you know It was also new Star Wars coming back after most of years. us thought yeah. Star Wars was dead. Exactly. Like in terms of movies. This one you have, you know, Star Wars is back out there and I don't know. Will this you know, will the fact that this movie is the last Skywalker film affect box office sales? Absolutely. But I don't I just don't think it's going to affect it to the tune of $3 billion plus. Like, that's a huge tune. Right. And I do think what this shows, though, is that those in the fandom menace, the, the vocal minority, they're, they're not quite as large and powerful as they think. So, Matt, I have a question for you, and I just thought of this. Now, with these subscription services being as widespread as they are, I mean, the two biggest theater chains or two of the biggest theater chains in the country have them. How does that affect the recording of sales, like ticket sales? Do they just say like, okay, Matt paid his $20 for the month. He went and saw Endgame six times or not Endgame, you know, Rise of Skywalker six times. Does that count as six individual paid movie tickets, even though 
that total would be higher. Yeah, than no, I, 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 I believe they're still counting every time we buy a ticket as that is a ticket sold. They, they're not worrying about if it's subscription-based cash buying it or you're just paying straight up. A ticket sold is a ticket sold for whatever price a ticket is. Okay, gotcha. Because that was something... I don't know how they justify that in, in their accounting ledgers, but just because you and I spend 20 bucks to watch you know, upwards of, what, 12 movies a week or a month? Yeah. The movies are still getting credited for a ticket in the dollar amount for us going to see that movie. Yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be... That's what's interesting about the whole thing around movie subscription models because... Not only does it affect the way that you pay for them, but it affects the way that the, the dollars come in for the movies. So um, that we, we may see some sort of shift in that in the future. But um, yeah, I mean, 45%, again, this is only one theater chain, Adam. We haven't heard anything from AMC. haven't heard anything from Regal. haven't heard anything from Cinemark or anything like that. So, I mean, there's still a lot of theater chains out there who didn't even mention what their pre-sale numbers but were. There, there also could be the fact that with Endgame, everyone had their pants down. I mean, honestly, yeah, if you tried true. to buy tickets within the first hour, most movie sites were nuked. That's very so, true. That's very yeah. true. In the end, I, I think Tross is going to be popular. I think it's going to be well-received. But I also think those that have made up their mind that they fucking hate Disney Star Wars, nothing in that movie could ever change their mind. So I don't even care anymore. Yeah, I don't think that. It, it's not even worth it. Like, these people fucking hate it. They're always going to hate it because it, and I, I think everyone's experienced this before with something in their life where – You've talked so much shit about something, and then when that's something you've been talking shit out either proves you wrong, it's very hard for a human to then self-own their mistake. Yeah, yeah, that is 100% No one's going to sit here for the most part and go, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I got so angry at this shit and, and pretended like I should just hate Star Wars. That's kind of what I was saying earlier. It's like, why would you... Why would you even want to live in the fandom then if it makes you that upset? Like, just, just disconnect, get over it, and never come back. It, it's not worth it to me. I mean, this is fake shit. Yeah. There's I too mean, much real-world nonsense going on to for me to give a fuck about Disney running Star Wars and women this or that this. It's like, fuck it. Just just watch it and see what you think. Yeah, yeah. So Give it a chance. I mean, it's the last Skywalker movie. Speaking of. We're here. We made it. The meat of this primetime episode, and that is going over the final trailer for The Rise of Skywalker. I clocked in at like 2.30. I'd say you actually got footage for about two minutes. There's a lot of black stuff, a lot of cuts, a lot of words. Uh, so the way we're going to do it, we're going to do it kind of like we always do it. We're just going to half-ass our way through it, maybe say something that will be intriguing to you, or maybe say a lot of dumb stuff that you already heard, but this is how we're going to do it. We're just going to kind of play the trailer and talk about what pops up when we see it before we get into it nick overall reaction the first time you watch this thing i mean it's it's kind of like what we talked about before like when you see a movie more than one time like the first time you watch it it's just like all emotion like it's your heart's pounding and i was i was just like stunned silence like i just stared at the screen i was like holy shit it's fucking here and I started like I was watching it. You you co- you go along through it, and like really, the emotional punch for me, and I think for everybody, was that three PO scene. Like at the end, like you know, what are you doing, three PO? It's like I'm looking at my friends for the last time, and that was just like, oh my god, it was just such a killer. But it, it yeah, it's rough, and and that's one I think even if you didn't read the leaks, it's kind of clear from that scene what may be happening. I mean, yeah. the dudes 
got this little fucking alien digging around in his head with a bunch of cables hanging out. So, yeah, take that for what it is. Yeah, that is definitely something else. Yeah, I mean, overall, though, I we talked about this a little bit before we got on. I think that they use fantastic quotes to overlay over the music while the while the trailer is playing. So, you know. Finn coming in, saying his lines, Poe coming in, saying his lines, Kylo, Ray, and then eventually at the end you get Luke and, and Leia. Um, I think that it did a fantastic job of not revealing too much. Like if you if you don't know, if you didn't go through all the Jedi Paxis trailer, I mean not trailer, the leaks and the act by act breakdown, then you could pro- you could watch this and you would feel safe. Obviously, there are a few things in there that that give you more context to the to the um, you know the things that are going to be happening in this movie. But I don't think it spoils anything by any stretch no, of I, imagination. No, that's tell my buddy. I'm like, it shows so much without showing anything. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a ton of great content, and I mean, unless like, you read the leaks, and then you're like, fuck. So I mean, that's the way I reacted to it the first time. I was just a a big emotional mess. I mean, I I still can't watch this trailer without man choking some tears back oh yeah yeah i mean my, my most recent viewing was with my three and a half year old daughter I, you know she got home from daycare and is like hey bubba we got a new star wars trailer she's like what <laughs> and i show it to her i mean you know, she's three and a half so she's all over the fucking place half the time she sat there the whole time while i held on my phone and was just fully engaged like Whoo. and i'm sitting there <laughs> behind her like shaking like oh my god uh, just from the trailer itself and the fact that I'm watching it with my own kid and she's getting into it. So I, I know this movie's going to be fucking amazing yes. based on how this trailer makes me feel. I, I can say without a doubt, I don't remember quite feeling this way with any TLJ trailer. No, yeah, I completely uh, agree with that. And I think I, that- I, I got some of these feels from the TFA stuff. Who knows? It was just because it was all new. Uh, I think it was a mix of that and the fact that the trailers were really well. And like this one, they used the fucking music. And Dude. that's always going to get me. If you use some uh-huh. of John's themes from the original trilogy, it's fucking over. And, and you get a good amount of that in the in this spot. So, Nick, let, let's kind of get into it. Um, I won't cry, I promise, <laughs> because we're professionals here. But, you know, it, it, it starts really slow. I mean, we, we've got almost nine seconds where nothing comes in. But then, lo and behold... We see what looks like to me, and I'll get your input here, but that looks like Leia's rebel commando helmet from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that she drops on the ground. That Well, that right. Ray drops so, on the ground. But yes, yes, I agree with that. So, so Ray is essentially, for the first few seconds of the trailer, it, it, to me, she is she's training. Tra- yeah, she's she, still training. She's doing training. some sort of Jedi training. She's probably on this, I'm guessing, a secret resistance jungle base, right? Yeah, now... I don't think that we've gotten. Have we gotten the name of that yet? I, I know that we've gotten no, the name and I. And some other I guess the other thing like I should say, my friends, and I, I have hinted at it, but if you've read the Jedi Paxis leaks on Reddit, you know for damn sure now that there's a good part of them that are true. Okay? Yeah. So Nick and I are going to do our best at breaking this trailer down without letting any of those cats out of the bag. Yeah, and. Yeah. All I'll say is, if you want to know more about this scene, because I do, go read the leaks yourself. That's it. I'm not going to spit any of the leaks out here. I got your back, because I'm telling you right now, as a fucking diehard fan, I fucking hate myself for reading the leaks. 
after this trailer, I hate myself even more. If I had a can of bleach beside me right now, I would snort it up my nose. <laughs> you don't want to read the fucking don't leaks unless you just don't care. I'm telling you right now, don't fucking do it. We'll protect you, but I will be referencing like, oh, yeah, this scene, if you want to know more of exactly what's going on, wink, wink, hint, hint, go to the leaks. Yeah, see, luckily I didn't read it as thoroughly as Matt did. I read the Act 1 breakdown. I, I skimmed the act one breakdown and the overall breakdown, like the high points. And I think I've just been so stressed out at work recently that my brain has voluntarily forgotten those things. So there's a lot of the leaks that I've already just wiped from my brain. But yeah, I mean, but within the first scene of the trailer, like you were mentioning, you get to see, you know, Ray running through this forest doing her Jedi training, but I love the transition that happens from like the jumping and then she's jumping into a right. a death so she you know, she jumps over destroyer. cavern obviously using the force here but then they cut to a a scene deeper in the movie and you know if you look around and you you have an idea of what else is going to show up in this movie it should be pretty clear where she's at yeah um she's at the, this is in the death star wreckage yeah so you can see around like this is clearly like, shit is falling apart. This definitely looks like... Well, just look at it. I mean, she looks like she's in a similar room to where Kenobi was in A New Hope shutting down the tractor beam. True. Yeah, very true. And then I mean, just if you take like, all that in, like, if you freeze frame the stuff, she's essentially in the tractor beam room. Yeah, you can even see, like, in the freeze frame that you have in the breakdown video, that, that little structure that's, like, collapsed is looks exactly like that little half oval kind of thing that he was thinking about to turn it off so so yeah for some reason ray makes her way to the wreckage of the second death star this is one of those moments if you want to know more star wars leaks on reddit they got you covered yeah uh so while this is all going on nick we get a kind of a great voiceover from finn and i'm assuming he's talking to ray because he basically says it's an instinct a feeling the force brought us together i'm assuming he him and ray are talking about what they've experienced over the last, what, year and a couple days of their lives. Yeah, exactly. And it's really interesting to see that Finn is again referencing the Force because the first time that we hear Finn reference the Force was actually kind of in a joke at the end of TFA where he's talking to Han and he's like, you know, Han's asking him how he's going to shut down this, 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 you know, Starkiller base. And he's like, we'll use the Force. And then he's like, that's not how the Force works. So the right. fact that, that Finn now has... A new reference. Yeah, it sounds like he might have been uh, kind of tuning into Ray's Jedi training. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, maybe maybe he's been reading some of the Jedi novels in his spare time on this jungle. Yeah, base. the books are still there, and they're all <laughs> stuck together on this on this base. So I'm sure that that Ray and and Finn have been having conversations, and we all know how much Finn adores her. So it wouldn't surprise me that like he's trying to learn about the Force to impress her or something like that. Yeah, well, they're just having a deep talk, but I, I yeah. like the line and, and the scenes they matched it up to. So, I mean, the trailer co- continues on. We get a shot of Finn looking all dapper. He's using some funky-looking binocs, but then it cuts back to Ray doing her thing, and we get this great wide shot of this jungle planet, which, again, I'm I'm going with is the Resistance base. Yeah, um, yeah. But then it cuts to an interior shot of the Resistance, and lo and behold... Everyone is seemingly gathered around Poe Dameron as if he's giving some sort of big kind of rah-rah speech. I'm kind of speculating here, Nick. This is probably taking 
place later in the movie, potentially right before the third act, because, I mean, Lando's there, Akbar's son's there, 3PO's there, Poe's there. I mean, it looks like the whole resistance is there outside of a few key people. Yeah, this looks uh, like it could be a scene leading into a scene that we see later in the trailer. Exactly, like with... right before the big-ass resistance squadron scene that we're going to be talking about. This is, I think, Poe kind of assuming his role as the leader i'm also assuming because it's poe everyone's looking at that leia has passed yes. by this point in the movie um, yes because otherwise why the fuck is poe given the uh, given the speech here i mean that would be a leia moment for sure absolutely so now uh, but what he the... says is something key he says we're not alone so he's making a plea to someone like come on we can do this because then he goes on Good people will follow us if we lead them. And as he's saying that, we get a shot of Rose. We know she's a good person. But mm-hmm. behind Rose, we get a shot of Dominic Monaghan's character, and I believe that's Lieutenant Connix, who is Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yes, that is Lieutenant Connix. That's okay. back and, there. And Nick, I believe, and, and we're going to come back to this, they're fighting on the exterior hall of a Star Destroyer. Yeah, and that's that's where I think this rose shot comes from because I didn't get the. If you watch the trailer yourself, you can actually see when it pulls out. You can see a top of a star destroyer bridge. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, Poe's talking about that. If if we lead good people, they'll come to us. We get a hero shot of Finn, Poe, and Chewie. Get a nice shot of Poe's new orange X-wing. I know, replacing his old one that was blown up in TFA. Right, because that got blown up by Kylo. Yep. So as he says, you know, if if we lead the good people, they'll, they'll come. And we get a shot of a, a rebel blockade runner taking off from this jungle plane. That was super cool just to see that ship taking off at that altitude. Yeah, like so definitely, low. Definitely buzzed the control tower. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was a little bit too I mean, that, low. That, maybe they're making a hasty escape or something because that thing really does just fucking take off and probably plowed anything in its way. Yeah, it can, that could be. That's a good call. I mean... Coming in, like they, that they low. had to get the fuck out of there or something. Yeah, so. the first order right. is on their tail for sure. So we, we've had quotes from Finn now, and then Poe, and now we get one from Ray as we get this awesome sweeping shot of her standing on the rusted hall of the second Death Star, where she says, "People keep telling mm. me." What'd she say? People keep telling, telling me, me no that one they knows. Me. They keep people keep telling me they know me. So like apparently, right. people are like, "Oh." I've heard of you or I know you. It could be that thing, you know, like now she is kind of a a legend within the resistance, right? Like she exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. People know me, but then she's essentially like Nobody really but, knows me. But but they don't. And she's standing there and you can tell she's she's waiting for somebody. Yeah, obviously these quotes aren't taking place in this in the scenes we're talking about, but she's standing on the hall waiting, right? And just as she says no one does what do we get? We, we get, get our man. We get a, a flash of red emanating from the opposite end of the Death Star. And here he comes, Kylo Ren, all Un- soaked like a pimp. Unmasked Kylo. This is not... Unmasked. Yes. And, and he replies to Ray's I do. So I actually do think her quote and his reply are from a conversation these two have. Yeah. It could be another one of their forced conversations like we saw in TLJ. I doubt, I really don't think that that, that would be like a physical face-to-face conversation. It, correct, yeah. It, it's probably going to be one of their, their forced walkie-talkies. Yeah. But I, dude, I love that shot of Adam Driver walking out of that wave like a pimp. Yeah, I know. I mean, just like, soaked, 
the expression on his face, and then when he does like the upside down cross thrust, it's like yeah. fuck. Like Adam Driver's Kylo is just so good. I mean, he's really in un- like you never hear if you if you hear people talking about the new trilogy, the Age of Resistance movies. Like nobody ever has anything to say about Kylo. Kylo. Well, a lot like, of people are they get mad because for some reason they think that he should be this just insane stoic. powerful killer that just wastes everybody. It's like. What are you talking about? Like, I mean, even Vader in the movies was not that guy. No, yeah. Vader fucking let his... saw him choke out a few of his own people, Antilles, yeah. and chop his son hand, his hand off. And that's, that's about it. Yeah. He didn't really... I mean, until we saw that scene in Rogue One, like, Vader's kill count was pretty low. So, right. um, but yeah. All right, dude. So now we get this shot of... I've heard people call it the, the Star Wars for- Fortress of Solitude. I don't know what, what it is, but it's essentially a huge floating iceberg that looks to have some sort of mechanical city embedded in it. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are, are basically saying that this is Kajimi. Like, we've been told that there is an that's, ice that's what I, I, I've Me too. I, yeah. I was like, okay. And, and the reason I thought it could be Kajimi in particular, not the Unknown Regions or where Snoke's at, look at all those goddamn ties descending on it. I mean, it, yeah. they're coming in to attack. Yeah, exactly. Like, this doesn't seem like... I mean, I've never been led to believe that the Unknown Regions or the Beyond, as it's called now, I think it's filled with, like, randomly floating icebergs. But like you said, if you look into the the structure of that ice itself you can see buildings and cities and stuff like that so or I, it's a fucking ship i mean it, it could be yeah. a fucking ship and all that stuff yeah it could be there could be ships i mean I, later in the trailer we do I see mean, that, a that ship emerge from exactly ice, i mean so. that, that technically could be a a star destroyer camouflage because scale wise i think it would work especially when the ties get up close to it yeah yeah it could it definitely but could work. who knows i mean I, I did even in my my speculation video which eh, people if you want like really in-depth just dedicated this and not two of us going back and forth you can always watch the uh, trailer breakdowns i do on our youtube channel so youtube.com slash star wars time show but that yeah I, I i speculated it's either kajimi or whatever wherever fucking Palpatine's hanging out. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking Kajimi, especially because of the, the ties coming at it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that... But they also said Kajimi's a planet, and is this a planet? Yeah, I know. Is it like... That's the the confusing part. It's like, this is technically not a planet. It's like a space iceberg from what we can tell. Like it's, 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 it's Bespin in space covered in ice true yeah that's a good way to put it so no i'm, I'm sorry not bespin was the fucking planet. It's cloud it's city. Cloud, city cloud city floating in space covered in ice yeah so it's interesting i mean it, i could see it being kajimi i could see it not being kajimi but based off of the information that we have so far and we know that kajimi is an ice planet that's kind of what everybody's running with with right now All is right, that this yeah. is kajimi I'll, I'll take it i'll take it um, and then after then this, we get, yeah, this thing is fantastic. Then we get a doozy here. We, we get this throne that looks like it's been around for 10,000 years, right? Oh, yeah. This is basically the, the Iron it's, Throne of Star Wars. Right. It, it's carved out of like this obsidian-looking rock. It's all craggy. There's spikes coming out of it. And, and we're all assuming this is, this is Palpatine's throne. And, and if you know your shit, and if you watch the Star Wars Time Show video breakdown... This is exactly 
how Ralph McQuarrie first envisioned Palpatine's throne. Oh yeah, this is for, like for Return of the Jedi. Like this is dead on. Yeah, this is you know eighty sketches, and Matt does a great job of putting in the the McQuarrie sketch in there, so you can see it next to the fucking what we see in the trailer. It is exactly the same, and this is exactly the type of throne that a master, a legend of the Sith, would would occupy. Now, um, Nick, with your expanded and legendary shit, do you think this is possibly from ancient Sith? I mean... And Palpatine found the place, and he's just been hanging out there, sustaining himself? I, I don't... I, I even said in my breakdown, it, the throne is very un-Palp-like. Palpatine, to me, has always been very... Utilitarian? Kinda, yeah, clean, antiseptic, almost hospital-like aesthetic. Yeah, so... I mean, if you go back into expanded universe times, there was, you know... Like the, something like this I could see being on Korriban, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like the unknown, I mean, specifically relating to Sith in the unknown regions, there was the, the Sith Emperor that was out in the unknown regions that that turned um, Darth Revan and, and Malak to the dark side. And we never really got to All find right. out who that person is. I mean, obviously this is no longer canon like Revan isn't canon Malak isn't canon anything like that but there have been stories about ancient Sith existing in the unknown regions in the past okay. so it's not yeah, it just it, it seems like Palpatine found somewhere may, maybe found the thing he'd been looking for in the unknown regions that has a ton of Sith history and that's where he's hanging out yeah I mean that could definitely be you know a, a an ancient Sith Lord's, you know, right. basically I mean, just, his home where he kept all of his holocrons. Even the lighting implies that it could be tied to that floating ice thing we were just talking about. Exactly. I mean, the trailer's fucking awesome. So anyways, we, we see this throne, but as we see it, we get our, our first voiceover from Palpatine where he says, long have I waited. Dude, it's just, like, all of the voiceovers okay. are perfect here. Yeah. So as he says that, it switches to literally an old school star destroyer, yeah, seemingly coming out of the ice, right? So again, yeah, it's we're, breaking we're, we're the surface of the ice. Yes, yes. This isn't. That's why I think it's a possibility that it's Kajimi. But now, like you know, seeing that in the trailer, and then you also mentioning, like, if you look in there, you could maybe those are ships. Like that could definitely be like a frozen fleet or some shit like that. Exactly. So so kind of as Nick was hitting, what I speculated was, you know, if this fleet has been out in the Unknown Regions for, what, almost 50 years, we've heard the Unknown Regions could be really harsh. There, there could be black holes, wormholes taking out lightning or whatever. You know, what if the ships just got caked in space ice over all this time? And once Palpatine gives a command, that's what we're seeing here. I mean, it's, it's essentially the second coming of Order 66, but instead of waxing Jedi, the Sith fleet comes to life. Yeah, I mean, he plans on waxing the whole fucking galaxy. Pretty so, much. Yeah, I mean, that was an amazing shot. And also, you know, a telling shot, like you mentioned. We've been wondering, we saw previously this massive Sith fleet that was already basically in formation in the previous trailer. And now we're seeing this could be the possibility of when they're, they first emerge you know, now right, they're, right. they're that's kind of what I was running with. It's like, okay, whatever has happened has happened. Palpatine is ready. Let's fire these motherfuckers up and rock and roll. Yeah. All right. And then we get just a fucking, 
an eye face fuck of a shot. A beautiful. I mean, it's just like there's so much to take in here. So as Palpatine's doing his voiceover, <laughs> you're coming together. So Woody follows up. Long have I waited. You're coming together. And yep. I'm assuming he's talking to Kylo and Ray. Like, Kylo and Ray. Yep. I doubt he's talking about the resistance, but the, you know the, the editors are cheeky. So when he says you coming together, we get this shot of the fucking resistance fleet, bro. And and there's like every it's it's a who's who of resistance slash rebellion era ships. Oh yeah, I mean we were under the impression like leading up to this movie, we were like oh man, how's the what's the size of the resistance force gonna be? Like they were decimated. They only had one ship and five people in it. Like, what the fuck are they going to be able to throw at the First Order in this movie? And now we see they fucking have everything you could think of. We have the ghost from Star Wars Rebels in there. Yes. Harrison Dula. I mean, do you think it's still Hera Are we going to see it? a live-action like, Hera? Yeah, I mean, that's the question that I was going to ask you. Because, like, at this point now, Hera is probably the same age as Luke would be, right? She's got to be in her 60s. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But also, I don't know what the age difference is or, like, how... Um, Twi'lek's age compared to humans. So I don't know if it's a difference. Oh, I guarantee. Can, I mean, you know my thing for aliens with head tendrils. Oh, yeah. If we see a live action one, Matt She, she ages like a fine wine, bro. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee she looks sexy as hell. And then also that opens up the possibility that you hear you hear or see um, Hera and Kanan's kid. He would be a grown-up by now. I mean, he could oh, yeah. be piloting the ship. Like That's... And he was human, so that could probably even be easier to squeeze in here. Yeah, I mean, um, looking in the yeah, background... I mean, there, there's so many ships stuff. in here, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I do want to make a point. I believe it's Lando and Chewie that are leading the fleet and not uh, Poe and Finn and Ray. Yeah. I believe they're the ones in, in the Falcon there. As Nick said, the ghost is there as well. Uh, and then it gets it cuts to a shot of the heroes in the cockpit of the Falcon. I'm assuming this is going to be very early on, probably when they learn that they have to go to Pasana. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look, Nick, there's something on the dash there. I don't know if that is that little a blue item. Yeah. It could be one of these wayfinders we've heard of. It also kind of looks like the, the thing that Leia was using to kind of find people through hyperspace. Oh yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It also kind of looks like a flux capacitor. But <laughs> it's got the there. three. Yeah. I mean, but I, I do think this is a very early shot. Cause while I think our heroes are going to be together for a lot of the movie, probably the first two acts, I do believe that the final act, the big space battle, the showdown, they're going to separate. Yeah. Also everybody looks way too happy right now for this to be later. Oh, in yeah, the yeah. movie. Like, right. Um, I mean, you look at Ray, she's kind of looking over and smiling at Chewbacca. Now yeah, they know, all seem hopeful. Yeah, exactly. And you also have, like you mentioned, you have Poe in the background as well as Finn. Um, so yeah, I agree. This is probably early in the movie. I don't think that this is anywhere near the climax. Oh, I, I'm the going first 15 minutes. Yeah. This is probably them taking off for the first time from the resistance base. That's my right. guess. Yeah. All right, so uh, we get a couple quick shots, more shots of, of Ray and Kylo fighting. We get a shot of this skiff, which I believe is Ray taking it out to the Death Star wreckage. Yes. Uh, probably before the very first scene we saw of Ray climbing through the wreckage. I'm assuming this is how she gets how out there. How she gets there, there. yeah. Um, but we get a, a, an interesting finish to Palpate Palpatine's quotes. You know, he says, and now you're coming together, and he finishes it with, is your undoing. So again, probably talking to Ray and Kylo. Yeah. Implying that the fact that he 
got them both in the same spot is what he's been trying to do all along, and now they're fucked. Yeah, exactly. And again, if you want insights into that, this is a leaker type of thing. Yeah, this is one thing that I do remember <laughs> is, from the leaks. This is uh, some some heavy, legit meat now from the leaks, no doubt. Yeah, so, <laughs> that, I mean... That does suck. Hey, I mean, not, you, we ain't going to go into it. I, I mean, know. It's, it, we'll let the people figure out what they want to, but I'm telling you right now, those the, the, the quotes that Palp is dropping are being said to Ray and Kylo. Yeah. You take it for what it is. If you want to dig deeper and really know, I suggest you wait until the 19th of December. If you want to be an asshole like me, head on over to Star Wars Leaks on Reddit. Yeah, so after this scene, we get a couple more flashes of you know, Ray Kylo fights, but then the next, you, before we get to the, the heartbreaker, yeah, the real quick hit of it is a star destroyer. And then something is blowing up next to it. I saw that it was, do you think that is a, a planet in the distance or do you think that's a, just a massive ship? Dude. I mean, given what we know that about these new star destroyer weapons, like that could very well be like, Hey, look, this is exactly what we did to Alderaan, except now we don't need a fucking star, like a yeah, uh, I Death can't Star. Tell what it is because if you look, like I have it they, frozen at 109 in the trailer. Yeah, I'm, and you can see the Star Destroyer's ass is like right in the bottom left corner. Yep, it's right in the bottom left corner. And if you look at it too, what's exploding? Like there are, it's hard to tell because obviously shit's exploding, but like there's a lot of curved pieces there. I mean, it kind of yeah, looks like... Yeah, it looks the, more like debris than metal. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with that. So It's just the way they edit it and they fade in and out, you can't really get a clear shot. I just I thought it was interesting. But I like you, I think this is more of their display of, hey, this is what we can do. Yeah, they the Empire always had displays of power uh, for, for their weaponry and like, you know... All right. There we go. So we get to the part Nick's been talking about, the kind <sighs> of one he said right from the beginning. And, and really, they make a point to slow the music down everything as we see babu frick who we know is a uh, and was it anzuelan <laughs> droid smith yes. that works in the the spice mines of kajimi yes and now he is here and he's, he's literally working. cranking on 3po's head yeah he's working on 3po and this whole part of the trailer is where things just get like it's rough it, it kills you emotionally and, you know, we see Babu Frick working on 3PO, and then you get this this line from Poe, and he asks 3PO, he says, he says what, what, what are you doing, 3PO? What are you doing there, 3PO? And then 3PO says, taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Like, even just hearing you say it, it's just fucking uh, heartbreaking. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's the fact that they stop the music and everything and just literally <laughs> focus on Goldenrod. Yeah. And... This is another one. If you really want the context of what's happening here, I suggest going to... Oh, by the way, I just spotted another Easter egg. There's a uh, medical droid in the background, back right behind Finn. Let's see. A rebellion medical droid. 2-1-B? Yes, 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 yes. I see him. Yeah, I you see can him. see the head back there. Yep. But anyways, like I said, if you really want to get the context, go read the leaks. But just from this footage, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out they're wiping what may his, be happening yeah. here. They're, C-3PO is looking at his friends for the last time, people. Right. I mean, he <laughs> like, is essentially saying he knows what's going to happen. He's, he may not remember these people after whatever Babu needs to do is done. Yeah. So it's 
so, that, yeah. that, that's just the, it's a rough one. That's the killer. But like you mentioned too, we also get a couple of Easter eggs here. We yeah, get the there's B1 a, battle droid. There's a Roger Roger, right? Yeah. Like if you're looking at the screen at 120 mark, where you're probably wiping tears from your eyes, looking at Goldenrod. If you look though, there is a, uh, a B1 commander with the yellow heads. Yep. So that's a nice little, nice little touch by JJ. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, he's he's paying homage to all the different ages in different ways. So, I really like. So, that. after we get that somber line from three PO, who do we get to see? We get to see good, good buddy, little little R2. friend R two. Yeah, for my friends, of course, they cut right to R two. I mean, you have to. They're yeah. essentially life mates. Um, I, I think this scene's probably at the end of the movie. I still contend that R2 is going to be off doing some super secret shit. And he's probably going to come at the last minute to provide a huge assist for somebody. I have my ideas based on the leaks, but we're not going to get into that. Um, but but I believe this is probably either a, a celebration scene or very... It's either super early or very late, but I'm leaning towards very late, almost the end. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Given what we know is happening to 3PO, and yeah, I think that this is very close to the end. And All right, so the trailer just starts going into the action montage. We get a shot of Poe, Finn, and Chewie on the, the, on a, in, in a corridor that looks like it's either on a Star First Order Star, Star Cruiser or a base. Yep. I know exactly why they're there, but I'll leave <laughs> the leaks to reveal that to you if you want. Um, then we get back around to the the shot that we always see. We've seen this shot a few times now. The yeah, hug it's, between it's, Leia it's and like Ray. It's like the the money shot hug. Yeah, but we, we get Luke dropping some Jedi knowledge. We do. He he says da 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 da. Confronting fear. It's the destiny of a Jedi. Yes. All right. So what this means to me is at some point Ray's probably going to have a check-in with Luke, the force ghost, very similar to how Luke did in return of the Jedi where, you know, it's not going to be a huge scene. He's not going to have a huge involvement, but I think Ray probably will visit with Luke or Luke will visit with Ray and kind of drop this knowledge on her, essentially saying confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. He doesn't finish yet. We get to see some more action, you know, BB eight doing his heroics, (laughs) I'm assuming this is going to be on Pasana. It looks like a chase sequence. Yep. And then we get to right. see, yeah, we see a Y-Wing making an attack run. Um, we get to see the skip. Well, the Y-Wing, Nick, is it's you can see clearly now these planet-busting guns. I mean, that, that Y-Wing is going in after one of these Death Star-level guns on these Star Destroyers. Yeah, those are not your typical um, right. your typical weaponry of a Star Destroyer. So, so Luke finishes his quote during that shot where he essentially says, confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. And then he finishes your destiny. Yeah. So I'm still, it, like, it's, it's more or less the Yoda talk to Luke, right. In Jedi, like, listen, man, you have to go confront your dad and probably kill him. Yeah. That is your fucking destiny. Exactly. Get over it. And this is what I really want to see. Like from Luke in this movie is that treatment. Like we got from Obi-Wan and oh, episode yeah, I, five. Like he's checking worry. in. He's checking yes, in. Yes, this is going to be Sage Luke, Senpai Luke. This is going to be the Luke that realizes that he he probably should have, you know, been a little bit nicer to Ray. Dude, I said like for some reason in my head, like I would like this line somehow to be spoken to Ben. Like we know in the leaks that there is a moment where 
you know, yeah. if if something happens, like is 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 Ben knocked Look at out? You dude. Is, is yeah? Is like you know, it's you. This could be you know a redemption moment the other way. Like we're we're all looking for the redemption moment between Ray and Luke, but there's another big redemption moment that needs Not, to be I had mean, dude, between characters. I'm all about that. I love that idea. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. So all right. So as Nick's laying happen. down some awesome things to think about, we we get a shot, uh, an action shot. We got Finn, oh, Jana, yeah. Rose may be there, some ore packs, BB-8. And, dude, they're literally having oh. a ground battle. On a Star Destroyer. On a Star Destroyer <laughs> in the sky. Yeah, I so, don't know how that's happening. I don't either. I kind of speculate. Like, I don't know what, what type of science we're working with here, if they're in low orbit or what. But there, there's another shot coming up which confirms these motherfuckers are riding on the sides of Star Destroyers, fighting as the Star Destroyers are in the sky. What I'm wondering is, okay, we know that Star Destroyers have shield generators. Do you think that, like, the shield generator would hold atmosphere? Like, would it hold breathable Possibly. air? As in, like, like a bubble, yeah. So Here's kind of what I'm thinking why this is happening. And it kind of goes back to, was this Sith fleet all covered in ice? Or was it in a planet almost? And the resistance was there and the motherfuckers just started raising up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. It's like, this could be <coughs> the very moment that they start breaking out of this ice exactly. shell. And they just realize, and they're like, fuck, if we're going to... This is one way we could do something. We could literally storm it while it's still on the ground. That's what I mean, because it's it's not like the the resistance is going to come in and kind of drop paratroopers onto a, a moving Star Destroyer, no, especially yeah. with horse-like creatures yeah, and like, full battalions running. N- nobody's wearing spacesuits. Like, it, no, like, no. So I, I, I'm really interested to see how this, this comes to be, because it's, it's one of the... the, the most unique looking battle scenes I think we will ever experience. Yeah. And then you consider that there are people fighting on essentially the wings of a star destroyer in the sky. Yeah. That's going to be really fun to see. Like, do they get met by a cadre of stormtroopers or Sith troopers out on the fucking deck of the star destroyer? Well, I mean, we'll see, but it is a really cool concept because I would have never thought in a million years that you would see a ground battle on the top of a fucking star destroyer. So. I, it's just, it's so wild. Um, all right, from there we get the the patented uh, Finn yelling Ray oh, scene, yeah, that's, and that's it his. looks like he's he's with Jana. So Jana, wherever they meet her, she's probably on the same planet that the Death Star wreckage is on. Finn clearly is running towards Ray, who he knows at this point is dueling with Kylo. You know, he's he's protective. Yeah. Uh, then we get a very interesting. It's probably the money shot of the trailer. Could be the money shot of the movie of Ray. And Ben, Kylo, literally standing in the Death Star throne room from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You've got the throne itself is there. The iconic back window is there. Yep. And they are standing at each other looking like they're ready to fucking kill each other. Yeah. And it's interesting here because this is clearly after the fight that they've had. I would imagine. Do you think? This is, well, I mean, this could be before the fight that they have, what we saw earlier in the trailer of them standing on the Death Star wreckage. If you look at Adam Driver's hair or try to, it looks dry. So right. I don't know if it's like Correct. they yeah, have. This could, this could be the start of that fight. Exactly. We've been seeing throughout the trailer. This could be the initial confrontation because we see Ray lightsaber ignited and Kylo does not have his lightsaber ignited. Right. He is unmasked, though. 
and we'll see another scene here shortly of him where he's wearing his mask. Yeah, this, by the way, is another scene that confirms plot leakage. So if you want some more insights into what, why these two are on the Death Star together, go ahead and check it out. <laughs> Matt, you got to like get blackout drunk and just try to erase those, like kill those brain cells with all that me- those memories. Oh, in I'll, it I'll be all right. Fucking- <laughs> I know. I know, you know, too. You're just you've like you're you're pretending. You, I'm telling like, you, dude, like buried I, it deep down. I don't re- like it might be that I've just like mentally pushed it down but yeah, and then like some when sort I, of repression technique yeah but. like and then when i get into the theater like all of it will flood back as soon as oh, I, I know it I, I guarantee you when you see them on the death star you'll be like I, well now I, I now i remember why they're here yeah but right now i'm like i'm looking at it, i'm like i can't remember but it could be it could just be like a like a subconscious like you know quelling of emotions and memories well <laughs> hey you're lucky i mean i guess i need to change up my drug lineup because it just my memory is wired to remember nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like I can't, I, I talked about this before. I, I, I can't, I can't really make money off of the skills my brain has, but in terms of being a really good dork or geek or nerd, perfect. I can, I can retain nonsense like none other. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I still, I mean, it's all very vivid. So here, Nick, we, we probably get the most interesting scene in the trailer and it's of Ray and Kylo. They're in this very, uh, hospital-like white room, which is, it's definitely First Order inspired, but the fact that it's white leads me to believe this could possibly be Kylo's meditation chamber. Uh, we see Vader's helmets in there, so his shrine. But a few key things in this scene. The fact that it's white speaks a lot about who Kylo is. I mean, I really think it's a direct reflection of the pull he feels from the light constantly. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, why are these two in here? Why does he have his helmet? And why do they smash the stand that Vader's melted helmet was on? Yeah, so, I mean, we what can... What the fuck's going on here? I, I don't know. This, and this is... is even with plot leaks. I, I'm still going, yeah, this is new. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there's... You would imagine that there's no particular reason why Ray. Actually, I, I know exactly. I remembered. Sorry. Okay. Well, what's going on now? I still like, but like in my mind, like there's no particular reason that Ray should be on a first order star star destroyer, like a first order cruiser at all, especially fighting against Kylo. So I don't know if this is like part of the Force flash fights. Like, do they flash here? Uh, and then they break I'm gonna it. I'm just gonna say no because I don't even think those force flash it's lights a, are, are real at this point. Yeah, that, you know, that was something. There is a reason she has to be on a Star Destroyer. It's a it's a important reason. It makes sense. And if you kinda stop or pause this footage as you see the Vader helmet falling and the stand crashing. Yep, you'll see her holding a look dagger. at her hand, she's holding a dagger. Yeah, and that's a that is another this, this dagger is one of the MacGuffins of the movie, so yeah. we'll, we'll leave it at that, but that's I'm pretty sure that's why she's on the ship. Yeah, and for those of you who are wondering, like, did they do this on purpose? Did they intentionally strike down this this you know this holy place that Kylo has always kept kept his grandfather's helmet on? I seriously doubt that. Like that is, no. I, I think they're generally fighting, and either Ray did it to to piss him off, or they're just again fighting, and it it was a casualty of war. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's hard to tell from here. I you can tell that it looks like that it's Ray's lightsaber that strikes it, where it starts to shatter. 
but other than that, like the, the, you know, leading up to it and, and how it happens, we don't really have a good idea about that yet, but yes, the key thing in this image is the dagger, this, this MacGuffin that, that Matt mentioned from the very beginning. So here we get another shot of, I said, the, the charge, it's literally a a different angle. It's, you're getting a behind the shot now, but if you go a few frames, Nick, you can see those Sith TIE fighters. And then yep. giving chase, you have a good old B-wing and an X-wing. Yep. So, so this you're is... getting all, all the ships in there, like we said earlier. You're definitely not going to be shortchanged on your Rebellion-era ships. Yeah, and I mean, this basically confirms, though, that the, the charge is happening while they're in space. Oh, like... yeah, they're, they're fucking in the air. They, I mean, that is there's no doubt about it. Yeah, so no doubt. <laughs> I'm really interested to see how they pull this shit off. I, t- like, I told you, man. I mean, there's I mean, a good chance we're going to see some Sith jet troopers and get mixed up in this battle. Maybe some First Order jet troopers. But it, it, it's very intriguing. It, it's one of those scenes where you're just like, "Wow, that looks fucking wild." But I need to know why this is happening. Yeah, and what I really like about this too is is that JJ doesn't just use that the scale of the fleet once like he uses it again like this shot is a perfect representation of the size of the sith fleet and that is something that we really haven't seen before in star wars especially if you go back to the age of the rebellion like right the size of the fleets was so limited based off of the technology that was available to them and even if you look at the age of the republic you never saw fleets represented this way in such a uniform militaristic fashion it's always in the heat of a battle this is such a cool way to show the might that is under palpatine and this is still a fraction of it yeah we're we're still only seeing a fraction of it so i mean again like there's this this flotilla or this this lineup of star destroyers could go on for parsecs and parsecs yeah (laughs) how do you like that i didn't use miles motherfuckers good job all right, so we get another shot of Kylo here. Uh, I, I, I kind of mentioned in this, he looks different. It's almost like some sort of conflict has been resolved within him. Yeah. I mean, you can see that he's It could be total like, bullshit. He could be literally walking over to chop Ray's head off. But, uh, but he, he just he doesn't look like the same just pure, angry, conflicted Kylo to me. There. And it looks like this is... After some sort of fight, I mean, you could see that he's yeah. physically, you know, he's sweating, he's dirty, he, he looks like he's pretty downtrodden, his hair is wet, I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that they showed the scene and he was standing on the Death Star wreckage and his hair got wet, could be, could not be, but yeah, this is definitely a different visage than we usually see from Kylo. All right, so as the trailer wraps, we get a very interesting shot here of Palpatine, in Ray, and just the way it's shot, I feel like Palpatine is raised up in the air, almost floating or walking on mechanical legs. Yeah. So this is where, I don't know if Nick and I were talking offline or in this cast, how we've been going for an hour and a half, now we still have another fucking segment. I can't remember what the fuck <laughs> I've said at this point. But to me, this is showing that Palpatine, like his former apprentices, Invader and Maul, is now relying on machinery to essentially keep him alive. Yeah, I mean, we have to figure that even somebody as powerful as Palpatine, after being thrown into the reactor of a Death Star and then blown up, needs some sort of life support or assistance. I mean, like you would imagine... I mean, he's old as fuck. He's, what, like 130? Yeah, he maybe just can't walk. But (laughs) he seems to be 
if you remember from the Phantom Menace, I think the the Trade Federation they had this walking hologram thing. Yeah, yes, they did. That's kind of what I envisioned his throne could be like, or it's just literally hovering. But if you if you watch that real quick scene in the trailer, you can see Ray backing up and he's he's moving towards her, but he's not walking. And there's like a a cable and a little light there. Yeah. So yeah, I think whatever something. throne he's in, it's almost like a Vader suit. Yeah. Maybe not as encompassing, but it, it's definitely helping him physically. And if you if you go back, this shot's not in in the in the video but if you look at the trailer too there's another shot i don't know if it's a sequential shot that happens right after but if you look at the ground it's the you you see a shot of kylo and i'm pretty sure he has his back turned if you look at the ground that ray's standing on in this shot and the ground that kylo is standing on in the other shot it's the same ground so i don't know if this shot is actually kylo and ray and right now we're only getting the focus on ray or if at some point there is like Kylo enters this scene, whether it be at the behest of of uh, Palpatine or to to assist Ray, but um, in the trailer there is another shot with this ground, the same. Sort yeah, of I, I know what you're it. saying. I have a feeling Ray may be confronting the big guy by herself at first. Yeah, and then just based on the fucking leaks. And then Kylo <laughs> maybe comes there after something yeah. has happened to him. Who knows? Yep. So. Yes. Yes. So then we get the the last shot of trailer, and it's it's really a wonderful shot of Daisy Ridley as Ray. <clears throat> she has a. There's some emotions to this character right now. It's yeah. to me, it looks like happy sadness. And as it closes out, we, we, we hear from Luke, the force will be with you. But before he can finish, Leia finishes always. always. So I am hoping that is a <clears throat> brother and sister force ghost was, quote drop on Ray. Exactly. I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, like, la- like end of like, okay, roll the credits type of deal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, that just gave me chills. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, it, in the trailer, it, it's, it's literally that last shot of Ray because of the, the voiceover from Luke and Leia and obviously the C-3PO thing that really twists my titties with yeah. this trailer. Really kind of got me going. Um, but that's it in terms of our breakdown. I mean, it, it was fantastic. And though this is not the final trailer, you're going to get a million little TV spots. But in terms of traditional full-length trailers this this was it so yeah prepare for the little 30 seconders here and there you might get some new footage at this point but really <clears throat> the way i roll at this point i may throw up some of those just share them on our socials but in terms of breaking shit down unless it's a minute two minute we're out of that business it's time to just get ready put the blinders on roll into the film on the 19th and see what we got yeah I'm super All right, excited. dude, we're not done yet. We're not. We still have our, our bread and butter segment for those of you that follow us on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. And that, of course, is the top five Instagram Star Wars Artist Features of the Week as chosen by the Star Wars Time Bros. Yeah. I line them up. Nick knocks them down. He's got his five for you right now. And it's this is a... I mean, if there was ever a Nick top five, this is it because... As I, I close, looked yet. I, I looked at the names, not the shot. Oh yeah, here we go. As I close out oh this God, article, look at you. Every person <laughs> on this top five is wearing a helmet 
It, yeah, everybody's got a bucket on their head. Uh, I was so. gonna say, well, you're definitely a helmet centric this week. <laughs> exactly. So we'll start off with our first shot up, and this is from a returning top five person, been on the top five a ton of times. Um, this is at zero three zero zero seven nine AR, and look, I'm just gonna start calling this person. I don't know if it's a male or a female. The name listed on their their uh, Instagram account is Ray. So I'm going to start calling them Ray. So Ray has has made his or her way back on the top five. And this shot here, I love when people can take Legos and make them look like fucking badass killers. And Ray has done exactly this. Right. With the Death Trooper. Um, yeah, with the Death... This is a Death Trooper, right? I keep... Yep. Uh, yep. Death Trooper mini lego figure and then he adds in or he or she adds in some really cool like um digital effects to make it look like there's like a like a hud oh yeah around the gun you can i always know when an o3 shot or ray shots coming in the feed because of the post-processing excellence i mean all the effects like the the digital target he puts on the guns like the the eyesight uh the blast effects the blaster effects the kicked up dirt uh, if you look at what this artist starts with, there it's literally just a basic shot of some Legos. There's no coloring in it, none of the effects. It's like, oh, okay, cool. But then you you see what they do with the post processing. It's like, holy shit! It, it just reminds me of why I'll never be great because I refuse to learn how to use Photoshop properly because <laughs> I'm a lazy asshole and that software is fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the, yeah, yeah. Ray, Ray's work with the Legos is is always exquisite. It's another account that I probably could share a shot or two a week. It's just it's getting to the point where I feel like I need to kind of spread things out. I mean, we we already got the goats. We already cover the goats pretty much every week because they make it hard not to, yeah. as do a lot of you that tag us on Star Wars Time Show. I mean, we definitely have a, a hardcore following of probably, I'd say, 20 users that tag us almost every day. It just gets to the point like, well, we can't just always share the same accounts over and over and over because it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't expose us to new people. It doesn't expose the artists to new people. So uh, every once in a while, I, I sit people like zero three down for a few days or weeks but it, they're a fantastic follow yeah you're gonna get lovely lego shots from zero three zero zero seven nine ar every day of the week <laughs> take it to the bank follow absolutely so next up we have like you Goat mentioned boy. Matt, <laughs> one of our goats we have everything <laughs> kylo here and i mean this shot i don't even know how to describe like this is one of the coolest action shots I've ever seen. So we see a it's, scout it's, trooper. It's Jesse's bread and butter. I mean, this yeah. is him. This is a Jesse shot. I mean, every toy photographer, to me at this point, I could I could literally look at shots and tell you who they are. I don't need to see the names anymore. And this is this is Jesse's style. I mean, it's the kick up the dust, rad, badass looking, typically a trooper shot. You know, uh, you know, busting heads, taking names, type of deal. Yeah, I mean, the shot, everything about it is fantastic. Like you mentioned, the the, the posing, the staging, what really sells this shot for me though is like the soft goods cloak on the back is just like flying up in accordance with the explosion that's on the side, and then the weathering that he's done to this figure too. It's just, I All mean, right, so it's here's fantastic. the crazy thing, and we'll have to have Jesse follow up on this. 
And by the way, I think it was Uncanny Figs last week, Nick. I don't know if you looked on the on the Instagram, but he came back and gave us a very detailed answer on how he made that Kylo shot. Okay. Fantastic. As we asked. So we do appreciate that. We're not just saying it for shits and giggles. Like I, I, I me as a fellow toy photographer, I'm always interested in in the tricks of the trade. But what I was saying here, I believe this is not a soft good cloak. Oh, really? Wow, okay. I think this is, hear me out, Jesse, if you're listening, you can correct me. If I'm right, I'll make sure to let Nick know I'm right. If I'm wrong, I will say I'm wrong. I believe this is Kylo Ren's kind of cloth hood type of deal from the TFA figure that Jesse is has on backwards and flipped up. Okay, okay. I, the only reason I'm saying that is because I've done something similar. I made a Jake Skywalker figure with an old man Luke head <laughs> yeah, that I, I had. That. I, that. I put him on the Kylo body and kind of made a dark side Luke, and I did this exact thing. So that's my guess, just looking at it and how like the cloth is folded over. I'm assuming it's actually rubber. Okay. But it doesn't matter. As you said, the way Jesse's got it lined up, it, it is giving off the effect that because of this trooper or scout trooper running or the dust being kicked up or the bomb that just landed next to him is causing the the cape to fly up. Yeah, so, I mean, this, again, like you mentioned, you can expect stuff like this from Jesse, everything Kylo, on a daily basis on his Instagram feed, so make sure to give him a follow. I mean, the guy is Oh, look at this. The the trooper actually belongs to Ronan314, who's someone I know I've shared before. I'm not sure if they made the top five, but it looks like everything buddied up with Roddy 81. He's someone that we've definitely featured. Yep. And at Ronin 314, they must have had a little toy session. And this this scout actually belongs to Ronin. So um, good work there. Yeah. Good work there. Fantastic job. I like how uh, one of his hashtags is Michael Bay that shit. Just well, well that <laughs> used to be it used to be a, a hashtag that. Uh, you know, you fellow toy photographers out there, you know what I'm talking about. There are accounts out there, kind of like us, that create a hashtag and say, if you, you tag it, we'll feature it. So, same deal, Nick. There's literally an account called Michael Bay That Shit. Nice. And it was all about <laughs> adding as much explosions and fucking particle effects to toy shots as possible. Well done. Well, yeah, I mean, that definitely deserves its spot yeah. on that on that page. Um, so, next up, we have another trooper shot here. Ooh, and this one is from a, an account that actually was first featured on, on Star Wars Time by none other than Sir Dork himself when he was Well, I believe him. we featured him before when it, this account's kind of had a prince, okay. a name change. Okay. I believe this used to be Count Von Doom. Okay, yeah. That, he's and now it's Sunset Doom. But, but Sunset Doom's another one that's become pretty much... I can tell the style as soon as I see the shot, and I love the style. Yeah, and I mean this. So we have a shot here of Commander Wolf um, from the Clone Wars, and I mean, here's the thing that really pops about this shot: it's like the the atmosphere, the smoke effects that are coming off of the trooper. I mean, the weathering and stuff sells the smoke that is literally like emanating from this trooper's armor. Right. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, the and I saw the BTS on this. This is literally a trooper set up in probably his front yard. Nothing behind it. He uh, just had good lighting conditions in terms of you can see the natural light is behind the character to the side. Yeah, uh, which obviously is allowing that smoke to really pop and and flesh out the lighting of the shot. Uh, But I mean, sometimes when I look at this, like I need to get back. 
just going out in the wild, doing a simple setup, no more fucking card tables and wires and this, that, and the other thing. And just get kind of back to the nature stuff. I miss it a little bit. I, I, I kind of make things a little too complex these days. Yeah. And I still will run a shot. I'm like, oh, that was sweet. Took me a while to set it up. 100 likes, go fuck yourself, <laughs> Haywood Pop type of shit. Uh, but what, yeah, what, what Sunset Doom is doing these days, it's another one. You see a shot and you're like, oh, yeah, I could, I could feature that today. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, the raw shot from this and the fact that all of that smoke is done in post-processing and the way that he makes it look like, I mean, like, it's just fantastic post-processing work done here by, by Sunset Doom. I mean, this thing looks absolutely fucking amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, well done. He's got a few more like this. I mean, he kind of followed up this series with different troopers, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's excellent work. You will not be disappointed with a Sunset Doom follow at all. So at Sunset underscore Doom, for those of you who are new to the account, um, next up we have a share here. And look, here we go. It's our buddy. This is our buddy. And I, yeah, I will I'll, I'll kind of lead into this one, Nick, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Greg and I, we, we talk on the regular at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we're, we're talking about Star Wars Black Series 2019, who's become probably our, our number one fan. I mean, uh, Greg is always in our DMs on IG, just talking Star Wars, talking Star Wars Time show. He's always promoting Star Wars Recently Time. Recently on Facebook as well, I caught it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's just he, he's he's a great fan. I mean, he is. I, I wish we had ten thousand other Gregs, because then we'd probably be going somewhere. <laughs> it'd be a pretty decently sized show that people actually listen to outside of like thirty of you. Um, you know, so he he's always like, "Hey guys, how come I'm not getting the top five? This, that, and the other <laughs> thing." Well, he made the top five, and one of the reasons he made the top five is because he's literally gone on a tear recently, making custom Star Wars time toy art yeah yeah i mean full-on dioramas with the mandalorian where he's got our logo as like a poster he literally had the fucking mandalorian walking two goats <laughs> i mean was, so he's doing like inside joke so type of shit for star wars time i mean the, the, the dude's just excellent so the shot nick featured this week is is very deserving because it's a little egg attack stormtrooper i love it dude i th- and, and as so greg is man what'd he do he, he gave him a fucking custom iPod or iPhone with our show playing on it. I know. And and that's what I really love about this shot in particular, the creativity. One, I love the egg attack figure. Two, the posing on is fantastic with the headset plugged into the iPod like you mentioned. Obviously, it's fantastic for him to feature us on the on the uh on the iPod screen. But then also it's just like in the background too, you have fireworks going off and I think that yeah. The way Some that great he, bokeh captured there, yeah, for sure. exactly. The bokeh in the background really makes this shot pop. Like I think it's super strong all around. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a really fun shot here by Greg. I mean, it looks he, like he's good at like I, I'm not I'm not fucking around here at all. Like, like the fact that he somehow superimposed the logo on that little device, I I wouldn't even be able to tell you how to do that in Photoshop. Like that to me <laughs> is is more impressive than the most impressive shot I've shot. <laughs> it's just the, the shit that people can do digitally with this software blows my mind. Yeah, you uh, might need to have Yeah, I love Greg it. I mean, Greg's down. done a lot of these little tributes recently. Yeah. Um, he's got something here. Like, like I think you would, you would probably pick him for more top fives, 
but he he gets kind of stuck on I don't know if it's a filter or whatnot or, or soft proofing, where sometimes the the shots look a little desaturated. Yeah, yeah. I was. Gonna I mean, it's a personal that. choice. I, I still like Greg's work. I just sometimes Greg and this is constructive feedback. I'm only doing it because I consider you a, a diehard fan and someone that you know kind of asks questions. But maybe not uh, desaturate the shot so much. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a filter you're throwing on, or if you're soft proofing a shot. Like I use soft proofing here and there to kind of tone a shot down. But sometimes it feels like you're almost losing some of the pop that you could have had with the with just some of the natural colors. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. I'm looking at your last two shots, Greg, and these both look fantastic. The Sith Troopers walking through battle style, and you have an explosion in the background, and then the one, the Mandalorian fighting the two, three stormtroopers. Um, I mean, both look great. I don't know if you used a similar filter on, on those or not, but those seem like the colors are a little bit more rich. But yeah, I mean, one... The chibi style is just like for this shot. Oh, these egg attacks are the best. I mean, they're I mean when so he told fun. me he was getting one, I was like, "Oh, I'm, you're gonna have fun with that because I, they they pose well." And look, I mean, you just even just a, a pose like this, they feel alive, and that's why I've always said a, mm-hmm. a good toy shot. You look at the piece of plastic and be like, "All right, that thing has emotions." Yeah, dude. I mean, like if he would have put this, I mean, he could drop this figure in this pose anywhere. It was really cool to have the Boca. If you drop this on like a Digirama of the fucking Death Star and you replace the guy, like the shot that we were talking about in the trailer breakdown, where fucking Obi is in the tractor beam room and you have you see a shot of the two stormtroopers talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you yeah, replace just, the guy, the guy on the left with this guy. And you just put them there. I mean, like it would look hilarious. Like there's yeah, a lot it. of different things that this would fit well yeah. into. I actually, I if I'm mistaken, Greg, correct me, but I'm pretty sure this trooper's named after you. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, because he wanted to name it. Because he, he's been going yeah, like, hey, what does it. it take to get in the top five? Well, Greg, you made it, negative. and now we've given you some feedback to where you could possibly make it again. So have <laughs> at it, buddy. We don't usually provide constructive uh, feedback during the top five, but you know. Greg has been asking, why am I not making it? So there you go. It's an honest answer, buddy. But we love you. You're definitely in the holy trinity of Star Wars time fans, if you will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So fantastic work here. Yep. Star Series. Wars Black Series 2019. Give him a check. He's yep. a great Star Wars fan, fun guy, and, and like I said, just a huge supporter of the SWT. Yeah, and if, if you look at I mean, he's got some great photographs up here, too, so make sure to follow And I have him. a feeling he is going to be making some of the GOAT t-shirts. Really? <laughs> yeah, like that image this of guy. the Mando <laughs> walking two goats. Because I think I said in the last cast, he's like, "Dude, I'll I'll make you one and send." I'm like, "Man, you live in Australia. It's it's fine. I appreciate the thought." But, uh, but yeah, uh, I would love to have one of those goat T-shirts, <laughs> like old school '70s, like just that real big. The picture is basically the whole front of the T-shirt. Yeah. Oh man. But we love it, man. I mean, I, like I said, I would take ten thousand Star Wars Black Series twenty nineteen. Yes. So give them a follow on Instagram at Star Wars Black Series twenty nineteen all together, no underscores, no spaces, periods, anything like that. Thank you, Greg, for your never ending devotion to Star Wars time yes, show. Yes, we speak your name. <laughs> all right. So final one here. We have a brand new, a second brand new. So Greg was the first brand new, and now we have another one. This is Tegan Lee Draws. Uh, yeah, th- this stuff again, just uh, it, it doesn't even make sense yeah, in like, my head 
that a human can do this. Like Matt and I are usually pretty good because we prominently feature toy photography here. But when we get shots like this or we get pieces of art like this where it is a literal illustration of, you know, characters from Star Wars, our brains don't have the the ability to process how it's done. So we just stare at it and we're like, holy shit, this looks really cool. But that is what Tegan Lee draws has done here is he's done a he or she. I'm not sure if it's a I think it's a I think it's a a girl and she literally hand drew the Mandalorian like a like an official Lucasfilm shot. One of the first shots we ever saw the Mandalorian. Yes. With markers. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck a copic marker is, but Markers. I mean, if you make one fucking mistake with a line, I would assume it's shot. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, yeah, you can't erase marker. So, I mean, this, I mean, it's just fucking beautiful. Like, it's perfect. I mean, catch- it's nuts. The, the colorings with markers, the sketches with markers, and it looks like a, a photo. Yeah, it does. I mean, like, you catch reflections off of the helmet. You get the perfect weathering effects that you see on the armor. I mean... One of the hardest things that I've heard to draw in, in, you know, typical or, you know, traditional illustration is hands and like she nails the hands, like everything about this. If you just look at this image and you're scrolling fast, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Somebody did some digital painting of that. It's not digital paint. This is hand drawn. Yeah, all it's done by hand, Tegan Lee. Brain skill. Yeah, I mean, and this is something. Just go ahead and draw it right on my body and tattoo it. Yeah, and I mean, if you go to Tegan Lee's Instagram page, she has some fucking beautiful artwork on here. I mean, one of her look recent look at that one. Look at that Ray thing, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, that is a drawing. I mean, it's just fucking like, are you fantastic. Kidding me? Like she, I mean, she has a a an illustration of Tom Holland of Tom Holland not as Spider Man like you know, bending down from the movie. It looks fantastic. I mean, this girl has just outstanding talent that, that is it's unbelievable. Like yeah. just the black and white portrait photos of, of people. I, I, what the fuck? Yeah. It, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Again, like how do people's brains operate this way? I mean, if I don't know if, if Tegan has a, you know, a, an Etsy shop or somewhere where she sells her illustrations or takes, um, you know, if she takes, uh, whatever commission work, like you, you are good enough to do that. If you sell your work, if you start taking commissions, reach out to us and let us know. Cause there's probably a star Wars character that we would like you to draw so we could purchase from you. So yeah, totally. I mean, totally. I mean, just, just hit up Tegan Lee draws T E G A N L E I G H draws and just scroll through that gallery. I mean, it is one piece of magic after the next. Yeah. It's if you're uh, not artistic like ourselves, like literally have zero art. I mean, I still can hardly even draw a straight line. You will look at this page and just be like, "Yep, she's a superhuman." Yeah, I mean, just some of the like, just scrolling down. There's so many good ones. I mean, like, there's another Ray a little farther down. There's one of um, of Jin Erso. I mean, it's not all Star Wars either. I mean, they have one there's of a lot of Marvel in yeah, there. Yeah, Marvel, there's Luke. There's a Darth t- Maul. There's a ton of great stuff in here. I mean, you have um, Thor from, what is it? You have a Thor from Infinity War. I mean, there's a ton of fantastic. Th- she she drew the kiss, the moment of the kiss between Han and Leia, and that's just like, what the fuck? 
I mean, she, that was back in 2017, but still, like, this girl's work is fantastic. So make yeah, sure to give her a follow legit. on Instagram. And uh, I'm assuming it's a girl just based on the biopic. If we've been calling you a girl the whole time and you're not, we apologize. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, that rounds out the top five for this week. All super strong stuff. And like I mentioned, every one of these characters wearing a bucket. Even the Mandalorian's got his helmet on. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, the guy literally, that's why the one time I did the top five, I didn't include any buckets or any troopers. Yeah, so I had to catch back <laughs> up. <laughs> He's not wrong, though. I mean, they are the coolest looking motherfuckers in the galaxy. I've, I've already said that. I mean, I always liked the good guy team because they're the good guys, but I always thought the bad guys dressed better. All right, my friends. Well, that does it. This is what we like to call a marathon tour de force primetime special Star Wars time episode. And, well, that's because we had a ton of stuff to talk about for The Rise of Skywalker, most notably the final trailer, which was just beauty. It was a beauty. I cried. Nick cried. My kid cried. My soul is still crying. I can't wait to see it finished. I mean, I really cannot wait. We've got our tickets now. We're locked and loaded. It's literally just a matter of time. So in between now and December 19th, you know what you need to do. You need to get over to StarWarsTime.net. And if you've already done it, now it's time to show a friend how to do it. So StarWarsTime.net, top right if you're on desktop, subscribe to podcasts. All the platforms you need are right there. If you're on mobile, hamburger menu. Click on that bad boy then go to subscribe to podcast. While you're there, don't forget to hit up our YouTube channel as well, which is slowly growing, but we could use more. And when you're on either of the platforms, be it YouTube or your podcasting platforms, we can't stress enough how important it is, if you're willing to, we're not forcing you to, if you're willing to, clicking the like button on YouTube, leaving comments, or if it's on a podcasting platform that accepts it, dropping ratings and reviews. It means the world to us. So as we speak your names, we ask that you speak ours back into the universe of Star Wars fans. Let's get this Star Wars time show really cooking these days. All right, my friends? And remember, if you listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you always. (laughs) 